This morning I'm going to speak to you with a subject entitled, Someone Turn the Light On. Someone Turn the Light On. Now, being a parent, I know what it's like to run around shouting at the kids saying, will somebody turn that light off? You know, it's just as a, a normal kind of thing. I'd been to the gym. I came home the other day, drove up in the car. Ange was in the house. The guys had gone out. Ruby was in bed. I kind of thought the living room light was on. Fine. The hall light was on. Fine. The kitchen light was on. The additional under lighting under our cupboards we decided to be on. The front room light was on. The landing light was on. The bathroom light was on. The only light that wasn't on was the light that was in my bedroom. And you come in and you turn into some kind of grouch by going, who's left all these lights on? Run around and turning all those things off. But you know, there is something security that we find when the light's on, is it not? When the light's on, we feel secure. You know, because there's something about the dark. I don't know about you, but not that many people like the dark. But the thing is about it, it's double-sided. Sometimes we can find the dark comforting and other times we find it scary. Have you ever thought that you can have a wonderful afternoon walk? You could be alone walking the dog with your own thoughts and walk through the middle of Debdale Park in the 12 o'clock in the afternoon, just stroll around with a dog and feel everything's fine. But once it goes dark, you might reconsider your steps. Do you realize that we are not born with a fear of the dark? It's something that we inherit over time. Now, the psychologists would tell you, ah, oh, you see, that's all down to uh, the caveman nature. And you feel that what you'll do is you'll go back to your primal instincts. And in the dark, more people, this is an official statistic, by the way, because I did my research. Official statistic is more people are eaten by lions in the dark than they are in the day. So because of that, we're afraid of being around in the dark. I'd like to think it's too many Hammer House of Horror films and so many derivatives of things that everything that goes bump in the night stops you and makes you have a look under the bed before I get in. Yes? We'll look at even the uh, Pixar films of Monsters, Inc., the monster whose job is to come out and go, scary in your, in your bedroom at night. And it's amazing, isn't it? If you ever see any of those elements of films or there's something, maybe it's on a normal TV program, everybody goes where you think they should never go. So somebody's running down the road and you think, whatever you do, don't go into that house. Whatever you do, don't run into the woods. And they always go to the place that they're not supposed to go. Is that not right? But if they did, you wouldn't have a film, would you? That's the truth. But the whole process is this is all of the time we are held often like by our childlike fears of staying away from the dark. We're afraid of what lives in the dark. So if we're afraid of what lives in the dark, why do so many of us want to leave our house there? Why do we want to keep going back to the dark? The gospel is summed up by two very simple statements. Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14 says this, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. We have been rescued from the dominion, not kingdom of darkness. Why is it not a kingdom of darkness? Because he has never been a king. There is only one king. He's seated on the throne. The enemy is not the king. He has a dominion that he bought. He had a dominion that was handed over by mankind after the fall in the garden. But we have redemption. What is redemption? The price was paid fully for you to live in the light. The blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross enables you and I to be able to stand in the light. Ephesians 5 verse 8 to 10 declares this. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of, of the light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Live as children as light. Find out what pleases the Lord. That means if I can please him, I can 
displease him. Would that be right? Would that be fair? We have to have a life that lives in the light. We're carriers of a new nature, are we not? For the old has gone and the new has come. We are new creations in him. And when it talks about that um, we live a life in the light of all goodness of righteousness, again, another church word, what is righteousness? Right standing with God. To stand right with him, I must be in the light. For in him there is no darkness. We're carriers, as we said, of that new nature. There is a battle that rages in you and I every day for the old man to keep resurrecting himself. You know, we read the story of Lazarus, don't we? Lazarus, come forth. Every morning, you have to have that word in the mirror that says, Lazarus, you stay exactly where you are. This man's living today. My new nature is going to push through. In Genesis 4 and verse 7 is a very interesting word, uh, scripture. It declares this. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. What was all that about? When you do what is right, will you not be accepted? This was the story of Cain and Abel. You had Cain was a farmer. He was good with the land. He was good with his hands. Abel worked with the animals. But yet when it came to bring a sacrifice and being acceptable to God, it had to be by blood. Why? Because God had already set the pattern that when Adam and Eve had already fallen, he killed an animal and he clothed them with the skin of the animal. Would that be right? Am I in Bible at the minute? I know we're not turning to the verse. That would be right. So the pattern for acceptance by God was that you came via the blood. Cain was there, he'd done all his hardest, and he turns up with a bag of carrots, bag of carrots, five pound of sprouts, his best King Edwards, and said, here you go. And God said, that's fine, but there is a protocol for approaching me that you cannot just avoid. If you do what's right, will you be accepted? And there is a way that you and I walk in God and with God that keeps us not only accepted, but causes us to push forward in God. Amen. Let me give you a definition of something. The power to save completely is found in him. The power to change is given to you. So the power to save from the guttermost to the uttermost is his, which he did through Jesus Christ. But the power to change a life and be transformed is in your hands. Every day he can offer, every day he can push through. But if you choose not to move, you choose not to move. It's in your hands. The power to change is found in you. We have come into freedom. Isaiah 61 and verse 1 declares this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoner. Remember the definition that we've used before. A prisoner is someone who serves a sentence for a crime committed. A captive is a person held against their will. The Lord and the desire of what he's done for buying us and laying hold of us in Jesus Christ is that he gives us permission to no longer to live in the dark and to come out of our own bondages, to come out of our own prison cell. Now, I don't know about you, but I've, I'm in the middle of that journey. But do you know what? I've seen some stuff. I've got a film. There's, there's certain films that I like, certain bits that I watch. I love Shawshank Redemption. Anybody ever seen Shawshank Redemption? Great prison film. Bit scary in parts, but hey, it's a story of life and hope and pushing through. But there is something that spoke to me when I watched that film and grabs me every time. That a man and a woman can become so institutionalized that even when freedom's offered, you will break to go back to what you know. I will go back to my containment because it's where I was comfortable. I'll go back to that same place. It's a six by six cell. But that is less scary than having the courage to walk out of that door. 
I've been fed three times a day. I've been clothed and looked after for so many years. I've been institutionalized that when it's time to be set free, I no longer want to face it. All of us can shout all day. We can bang on the door. Let me out. Let me out. I'm sick of being a prisoner in here. And he can declare the word. But unless we push the door, we're going to stay exactly where we are. And the truth is, for many of us, the word game again this morning about courage. We need to take courage. We need to be willing to say, I'm not sure what I'm going to face when I make a new relationship. I'm not sure what I'm going to face when I take a new step. Lord God, I don't know what it's like to believe you in a new area, but I'm going to take the courage to do it anyway. In the doing it anyway, that's called, you know, it's called life, living, growing. You know, can I tell you something? I'll be dead honest with you. That whether we've got our authentic sonships or whatever we've got working in the house, we can talk about from clean to pure. We can talk about transparency. We can talk about accountability. Some of the biggest issues we'll ever face is that if I share something with Dave, he might betray me, betray my trust, betray what I've given, grasp me up, Stick it on Facebook, make me look a Burke, and destroy the trust that I've built in another person. You're absolutely right. He can. And I can betray you. But does that mean we should never do it? It's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. If I make a new friend, they might let me down. They might do something. It's worth the risk. You know, I've been hurt in relationships before. It's worth the risk. God, I'm not sure if I can believe you that that you can carry me and push us through to progress and provision and protection. It's worth the risk. All of the time, we have to step out from that position of being in our cell, opening the door and having a look round. You know, I had a picture last night. I was up very early. This, I've been preparing this all week and I prepared yesterday. Everything was fine. And then I woke this morning. Very early, it was probably about 3.30. I got up at 4 and I was just praying and I was just, was just praying about the word and just going over some stuff. And when I was praying, I saw a picture of that prison cell and there was a huge handle and the handle was on the inside. Don't keep waiting for permission to come out. Take control, take the handle and step through the door. Institutions might want to feel, even inside yourself, the scariness to run back into that which I feel safe. But this is a new day. It's a new moment and we're pushing through. Amen. We're changed to live as children as light. Now, I know God's got a sense of humor. I love God's sense of humor. So I'm going to read you this. 1 John 1, verses 5 to 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The underlining caveat with this is that all the time we say, we're going to have fellowship next door. We're going to have paninis. I'm going to have coffee. I'm going to get one of them fantastic Jill Toasties, a Phil special. It's all on there because that's fellowship. Not if you read the word, it isn't. Fellowship is walking in the light and fellowship is the transparency we have with brother and sisters amongst us. So guess what? When I turn around and say, Dave, should we have a fellowship night? You better have something to say. We're building together. It's all about this life. We walk in light. In him, there is no darkness. It's not a place when we get together for coarse talk, dirty jokes, um, digging at things, gossip. Have you heard the latest thing that's gone on? I'm only telling you for prayer. All of that, that stuff goes on. It has to come to an end. It comes to an end so that as we not only walk in the light, we can live in the light. I'm going to show you something now. I'm not playing on words and I'm not playing with semantics. I'll show you two things. Pointy stick for those in our group. There is a difference between sin nature and the nature of sin. There is a difference between sin nature and the nature of sin. Sin nature is what happened to mankind after Adam and Eve fell in the garden. 
In the garden, we know that they were perfect. They were formless. They were, they were made in God's image. They didn't wear clothes. They're covered in light. They have an innocence with them and they fellowship one with God. Is that right? Is that Bible? Are we reading Genesis chapter one and chapter two? Yes, they're in that place. But after the fall, they are removed from that environment. They are clothed. God kills animals, as we said before, clothes them and puts them outside of the garden. But then they have had a nature change inside of them. Instead of the innocence, their nature that they carry now is a fallen nature, which diminishes. It starts here in innocence and works its way down. Hopefully I'm not getting too complicated, digging too many holes. We see that there is a falling away. If the children that they born originally, Cain and Abel, had been born in the garden, we would not be born into sin because they would have been born of innocence. But they were born after the fall. So now all of mankind is born into a fallen nature, which will always cause us for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our very makeup does not make God's standard. No matter how hard we try, we need Jesus Christ to open the way to buy us, to purchase us, so that we can uh, continue our fellowship back with him. Is that, is that the uh, Bible? Am I okay there? Yes? All right. But what is the nature of sin? The nature of sin is this. Secrecy, concealment, shame, guilt, it's seedy, and it wants to withdraw. A reaction, if you see a small child that you catch doing something, they're touching what they shouldn't touch, they're trying to shove a piece of toast in your video machine, or whatever they're trying to do, kids being kids, and you go, all you need is, you see what your little child's like. What are they? They turn away, hide, drop their heads. They kind of just pull in because they know what they've done wrong is wrong, even though they don't know it's wrong. Just the very way that you've reacted. And what they do is they pull away all the time. They'll polarize, maybe look the other way, not look at you, not make eye contact. You know that you and I do exactly the same thing. We just get more skilled at it. You just get more skilled. Some of us are not going to sulk and just sit in the corner, but the way that we want to try and hide and draw away is exactly the same. Now, I found this. I'll speak about my life. I can't speak about yours. But I know this, that the enemy of my soul wants to continually hold me captive with fear of exposure. That he's got this back catalogue and video collection, he's even got it on HD, he's got it on Blu-ray, he's got it on triple layered disc with the finest clarity that he wants to tell the world about every little secret and thing that I've done in the past that somewhere down the line he can try and trip me up. Is it true or fair to say that every single person in this room would have a skeleton in their cupboard? Well, there's me and Veronica and Jenny, about the rest of you. Well, bless you. We'll have church in our own. Would anybody say that they have a skeleton in their closet or have had a skeleton in their closet that holds you captive, that you are so fearful that will come out and expose you that it's the what if it go to the grave, it's going with me. Yes, I kind of figured this because I have this. I'm simple in much of what I do. I have a very simple thought. So my simple thought process came like this. If I have a skeleton in the cupboard that I'm waiting to be exposed, burn the cupboard. If I have a skeleton in the cupboard that I'm waiting to be exposed, burn the cupboard. Because once you've done it, there's no going back. We step out. If we bring things into the light... We take all the power away from him and bring it back into our own control. Yes? Remember, all of the time the enemy wants to hold us captive and hold us in the dark. Always saying that if you say this, they'll reject you. If they say that, this will close the door. If you say that, there'll never be progression. If you do this, and all the time it's the fears of the ifs, buts, and maybes. 
You know the great, wonderful news of the world stories? I know we don't have the news of the world anymore, but the news of the world stories was this. is to say that, um, whatever it was, just say Ricky Hatton, Ricky Hatton captured by undercover news agent who found him snorting cocaine in the Hilton Hotel or whatever it was. It's the world exclusive out on there. Is it better that you tell it before somebody tries to sell it? How many times do you see it where, there's Dave, sorry Dave, you sat in the wrong place. There's Dave, he comes out and says, this is my story. I told you why, because Lisa was going to sell it. She was going to tell it and expose it, so I'll tell you the truth from my side. Dave Chilbuck, the truth. And they always have the little build-up, don't they, of how Davey's lived his life and done whatever. But yet, for all of us, as I said, they've got that skeleton in the cupboard that the enemy wants to hold us back with. He wants to keep us caught. He wants to keep us just so contained. But all the time, the scripture, especially the New Testament, is declaring it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Don't be yoked again to the yoke of slavery. All of the things, walk as children as light. Have fellowship in the light as I am in the light. Be honest with each other. Encourage each other while today is called today. All of the points that say build a life up, not there as a gossip shop to pull everything down. The freedom hope that is gained from bringing things into the light, the celebration of that, or should I say, it's not a celebration of an act of what I've done. It's not even reliving all the juicy gossip. So there's Dave. Dave comes to me and he says something and he says, Phil, I just want to be open with you. And he starts to talk. Oh, so you did on what day? And I pull my calendar out and start getting all the juicy deeds. I don't need to know backstory. I don't need to know backstory on transparency. What I need and what I need to celebrate is the power of the restitution. The way that God made something good. What does the scripture say? What the enemy meant for harm, God used for good. And there is a turning around and that is what we celebrate. We never celebrate the acts. We never celebrate the juicy gossip that comes off the back. But we can celebrate and stand with brothers and sisters in the power of restitution. It might not be you today, but it could certainly be you tomorrow. We've all got a story to tell. We all come with history. There's always something that could maybe potentially be knocking on the door. I heard this from a very wise man a long time ago. It says this, that as you grow in God, as you grow and you progress and you push forward, the enemy will allow you to keep your wayward behavior. He will allow you to keep it and you can build on it and you can sit on it. Why? Because he will release it into the open when it can do the most collateral damage. So again, poor Dave, because you sat in the wrong place. There's Dave. He's growing and he's building, but there's an issue of character or a flaw in his life. And you know that's grown with him and he's never dealt with it and he's never taken it before the cross and he's, he's never worked these things out with God. And then it works out that, hey, David, he's starting to move in the healing dynamic and all of a sudden more people want David and he's going from church to church and it's growing and he's getting to the place of, oh, there's a huge crusade in Manchester and we've booked the MEN arena and it's all there and David's the guest speaker. Why? Because we're bringing in the sick from all across the nation. At that stage, bump. Let me just expose you this. Collateral damage is what he'll always try and do. Get you to the place where he'll build you and then exposes. But if we can bring it into the light before he tries to expose us, we are the ones who move in the freedom. Amen. But here is a fantastic scripture. Write this one down. You can play with this one. Isaiah 14 and verse 16. This is actually speaking of Satan himself. Prophetic action that comes down the line. Those who see you stare at you, they ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made the, uh, the kingdoms tremble? When Satan, who hides in the shadows, is brought into the light and stands before our God, the people actually look and say, this is it? Is this why we've trembled? Is this what we've been afraid of all of our lives? Is this it? And the very term and the way that it's written is there's a belittlement. His part is played so big, but when brought into the light, he's so diminished. He's so pulled down.
You see him for actually what he is, a falling part of creation who is continually being reduced on a daily basis. Now, here's the thing. You can play with this one if you're going to do your own theological checkup and look around. If sin diminishes, so you see creation going from what it was and being continually diminished by the power of sin. The man of lawlessness, what is it doing to him? He is a created being also. So if creation is diminishing, he too from that, oh, morning star, how beautiful and wonderful you are. I wonder what he looks like this morning. He looks like some of us when we've not put our makeup on first time, I bet. You know, he certainly needs the concealer. It's pulling through, but he is being diminished. But what do they do? It's all about the fear, false evidence appearing real. Does he have power? Yes, he does. Does he influence nations? Yes, he does. But is he like our God? He is diminishing and falling away. He cannot exist in the light. Now, here's where we change tack. The danger of not bringing things into the light. Psalm 32, verses 1 to 5. Most of us will be familiar with this. It's the prayer of David. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Transgression, what is a transgression? Another church word. A transgression is I know it's wrong and I do it anyway. Sin, missing God's mark, the bullseye. A transgression, I know it's wrong, but I do it anyway. Okay, so blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. You can only be deceived when you have already deceived yourself. You can only be deceived when you have already deceived yourself. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, my hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. Iniquity, a grossly immoral act. Dictionary definition. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. David turned around and said this, when I try, I knew, just remember the whole story of what David's done. David has had a man's, a woman's husband murdered. Why? To cover up the shame of him taking another man's wife, breaking the power of covenant, finding out that she's pregnant and thinking, hang on a minute. He's away for six months and she comes back three months pregnant. You know, one and two don't make three with something missing here. So he decides to get rid of the husband to cover up his own shame. He doesn't bring anything into the light and he holds it. And what does the scripture say? Inside me, my bones wasted away. My strength was sapped as the heat of the summer. Why? Because I did not bring something into the light. But when I confess my sins to you, how something changes. Now, I know what you're all like. You're all wonderful biblical people. We're all here. We're great. We get all of our doctrine all right. So we say, yes, Phil, but that's Old Testament. We know that that's the story of David, but we live under the blood. We live under the power of the covenant. Okay, let's turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. Is any of you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray for them and ointment them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Amen. We love that bit, don't we? The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, you and I have seen it through all of our church life. We'll take many of those things and and grab little bits of that context. If I am ill, get the elders to 
lay hands on us, anoint us with oil and pray for us. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Confess your sins to one another. We have them all as standby, individual bite points, don't we? The little snippets of what's something that goes through. But this is the context. The context is this, is that when you stand there and you have something, the sickness, the first question the elders should be asking is, is there anything that's unconfessed? Why? Because when you are sitting in your sin, the Lord cannot fully bring his atonement to you because you're holding your life in the darkness. Pondering there. Think about that again. That if you are, if you have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Part of it is a discernment that as we stand together and as we're holding, we're turning around and saying, is your life clean? Is your life in order? Is there anything where you're giving the enemy a foothold? Unconfessed sin allows a foothold for the enemy. Ignore it at your peril. Now, remember, this is a process that we are meant to be believers who are living in the light. Correct. We want a life that's walking by the word. Correct. So our account should be quite small. It shouldn't be that when I speak to Pat, she has some drop down menu and menus of all these things that get put in, uh, need to be put right in our life. Remember something that if we've got a short account, all of our, our hearts, our lives, our strength, our energy should be about making things work, not worrying about where I'm going to fall over by what I can do tomorrow. We're living as children of light and living in victory. But this is the side that says, but if you choose not to live that way, all the time you're looking over your shoulder. Now, I've used this illustration before, and I'm sure nobody's ever felt this way. But it's amazing that even if, say, we had a Zion night and we've got Pastor Peter and Karen and Pastor Tony's here, all these, we've got a prophet that comes in and people's giving words of knowledge. It's amazing how quick you start confessing before you go for prayer. Uh, is it only me? Is it only me? Or on night one, there's Dave because he's had so many things he's had to deal with in his life. The Lord's touched him and come out and he's spoken some words over it. Now, remember, the Lord does not expose you and shame you. That's not what he's doing. And if a man stands here as a sin detector, as in, David, I can see what you do in your bedroom and it's not good and turn off that porn channel. And all of that can be absolutely right, but it's the wrong manifestation and expression of God. I can take him to one side and say, David, look, the Lord has revealed to me, da-da-da-da-da, he agrees with me, but it's not to make me look good and make you all kind of like feel afraid because I walk around with my sin out and going, yes, <laughs> I know exactly what you did last summer. It's not one of those, yeah? But we've got to be a people that start taking control and pushing forward, laying hold of life. Now, here's the great thing. 1 John 1 verse 9 is one of my favorite scriptures. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? The inability to stand right with God. So it makes it so I can stand. But what is the caveat that holds all that together? If I confess. If I have. Now, please, we're not going to be setting up a cubicle in the corner. Confessions open from 9.30 till 10. Uh, book your appointment. Everybody grab a, a raffle ticket. This is about you keeping a short account with God. It's not even running to Pastor Tony every two minutes and thinking, oh, Pastor Tony had a thought about this and I did that and I found a fiver in the street and I didn't give it back. It's not about that at all. We keep a short account with God. If we confess, he is faithful. So if the context is this, if I confess, I come into freedom, then the natural opposite to that imbalance is if I don't, I'm held captive where I am. You can have a life which sits completely under the blood of Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. I am saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. Everything that I have done, everything that I will do is covered by the blood. 
But there becomes a blockage between me and God when I try and hold it and not bring it into the light. We have to move forward. Can I let you look into a little secret? All of those things you don't want to tell God, you know he already knows them, don't you? (laughs) You know he already knows them. The fact is that you and I just can't verbalize them, can we? We kind of think, I don't know how to say it. I feel ashamed. I'm not sure what I want to do. Let me also bring some clarity on something. We talked about the accountability to other brothers and sisters. Our accountability is to help us in our weakness so that people can help us, support us, bring godly counsel, wisdom to help us grow. Transparency does not mean every man and his dog. Transparency does not mean every man and his dog. Now, I'll be very honest with you this morning. I'll be compl- I'm being transparent is in this. In my life, there are four people that I would say are in my life on a regular basis that I am transparent with. And when I mean transparent with, they will know about my financial situation. They will know about my emotional stability. They will know about when the wheels fall off. They will know about if I struggle. I will tell you who those four people are this morning. The first is my wife. The second is Pastor Tony. Not just because he's my pastor, because he's my friend and I have a relationship with him where we build. I speak into him and he speaks into me. The third in that number is Andy. And the fourth is my good friend, Kev, my business partner, where I go to him and say, I'm transparent. I hide nothing from him about what happens in my life, the life of my families. He knows. He knows more and could hang me tomorrow with what he knows about me. That when you talk about if somebody decided that they were going to put the shoe on the other foot, I tell you, be reading the advertiser because it'll be a big seller that week when my story comes out. But they are people that I choose and have built a relationship with of trust. I didn't just turn around and say, Veronica, you're going to be my transparency partner. And this is it. Would you like me pin number? Pin number for my bank account is, please. We build relationship and we build trust. And I hope that that four becomes six, becomes eight. They're people that I do life with on a regular basis who I trust not only with my life, but often with the life of my family. The most precious thing that I own or have is my family. And each of those people, I've covered my family in lots of different ways. Most of the time, you will never, ever see, you will never, ever hear about. But you have relationships like that too. So when Pastor Tony talks about, and as we stand as a house and say about transparency and openness and accountability, it might be that there's Dave. Dave talks to me and we start. We just start with small stuff. The small stuff becomes a bit bigger stuff. A bit bigger stuff becomes big stuff. But he's not telling everybody. And this is the point. If you're looking for somebody to build a life within relationship, just start where there's chemistry. Start with a friend. Just start and build it from there. No one's asking to say that the first time I sit down with you, you better bring, bring your medical records, bring your financial rap sheet, you know, it's, it's not like we're going to be doing a life course from A to B. It's just called doing life. But do you know what? I know the first thing that I found. I could not be transparent with any of those individuals if I didn't first find out how to become transparent this way. If I'm transparent there, it's amazing how easy it is to say it here. Every one of us must have had one of those things where you think, I can't say it, I can't ever tell anybody this. You know, you carry it and there's a weight, there's a burden. You think, oh, how can I ever tell? I'll never tell anybody all of this. And you feel it and there's the weight of it every day. And you are waiting for that news of the world exclusive that's going to come out and tell the world of what you've dog you've been. In all of that, and then one day you sit down and you share it with one person and you feel like the weight of the world has been lifted off your shoulders. Bring it into the light. We no longer have to stay prisoners Everything the gospel of hope from Genesis all the way through is how we were there, but you can come to here. But the choice to change is yours and ours, uh, yours and mine, should I say.
But I need to give a caveat. I'll give you a caveat and a warning because it's only fair. There is a cost for transparency. There is a cost for living and walking in the light. As we said before, what is under the blood is under the blood. It's been bought, it's been forgiven, you've been clean. But if the Holy Spirit convicts you in an area, then you can't ignore it. There's different reasons for that, and it's not my role this morning to talk about whether a covenant's been broken or there's a promise that's out of alignment or whatever. We're not going down that avenue. Well, let me tell you these four things that sit like a stone in your shoe. One, the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Two, that when I do not accept that I've been forgiven and made whole in him, I hold on to guilt and shame. Number three, I can bring something in the light because it will help others grow. And number four, something is brought into the light because I need to make restitution. I need to make things right. So we got those four. Conviction of the Holy Ghost. I can't accept my own stance of forgiveness to help another and restitution. If you sit and it's there and you've got part of your past or something you've done that dogs you, it's in the back of your mind. You think about it all the time. You kind of, I'm afraid that this comes out or what is ever happening. We need to ask ourselves those questions. Is God putting his finger on this so that I can bring it to him and make sure that I can stay to walk in the light? Is it a fact that I don't accept what Jesus Christ has done for me? And so I am so bad and the act that I did was so out of, out of a line that I don't believe that God could ever forgive this. If he can forgive everything, but he can't forgive me. I've been a rubbish dad. I've been a rubbish mom. I've done this. I lied. I betrayed. I broke a relationship. Uh, whatever it was, we feel that we can't come into that forgiveness. The help of another sometimes that you can share your story privately with another individual of, hey, Dave, you wasn't on your own. Because you may be like that, but guess what? That happened to me also. And then it's the story of the restitution of how that came back. Not a case of you show me your scars and I'll show you mine. But it's a place of bringing something into the light. And the other is restitution. I don't want to hark on to it, apart from the fact that I appreciate the bravery and the stance that was taken when Pat had shared her story a few weeks ago or a few months ago now as a house. But you need to know this. An act that had happened decades before still carried with itself massive consequences. Because the consequences are that when I go home, there might not be a home. Walking in the light, but we thank God that the preparation had already gone ahead of schedule. There was something where God says, bring this into the light because something has held you bound. But by doing that, the shackles are going to be broken off once and for all. But are you willing to roll the dice? Because those dice are big dice. Are they not? The Lord will forgive and cover. But at times we have to pay for our actions. What do I mean by that? We are not good Catholics. So Veronica comes to me and says, Phil, I just want to let you know, I smothered my next door neighbor. Um, I smothered her six months ago. And I can't live with the guilt, and I just need to tell you. Right, wonderful. We bring it. She confesses her sin. Lord, I need to put this right with you. Right. Veronica, you and me, is going for a walk. Where are you going? We're just going to go and call off as a dibble. Because just because you put something right with God did not mean that you don't have to put something right elsewhere. There is a consequence for some actions. Zacchaeus, the very little man, and a very little man was he, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see what he could see. I've got all the song, it's all going. I'm turning it to Pastor Tony because he's not here. <laughs> Zacchaeus was there, was a tax collector. Read the story, tax collector. He comes to his house. He is convicted of the life that he lives and decides, I am going to follow Christ. He is not told to do something, but something rises in his heart that says, Every person I have defrauded and stolen from, I will repay four times over. Now, he wasn't told to do that. It was something that came up and said, I want to put this right. There are times in your life where you must make restitution. 
Yet the flip side of the coin is the woman caught in adultery when she's exposed and they're ready to stone that let him without sin cast the first stone. Nothing happens. And he said, where are your accusers? She says, there are none. Go in peace for I can don't um, sorry, condemn you either. But go and sin no more. Take control of that thing that was pulling you over. So you see restitution and you see action, but bringing things into the light. What about this? A very kind of different scripture. Acts 19, 19. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they had calculated the value of the scrolls, they came to 50,000 drachmas. Why does it tell you how much some sausage rolls had cost? 50,000 drachma. An average man earned a drachma a day. There was that much material that was brought in that needed to be destroyed. It was more than the savings or the working wages of 10 men for more than 14 years. You have things in your home, maybe there are things that you've bought, you've purchased, you shouldn't have. And you think, God, I know you've been telling me to get rid of this. It's not for eBay. It is not for sale or swap. When God says, hey, you cannot have this in your life, you bought stuff on your holidays. Maybe it's that big buddy you bought for your garden. Maybe it's all the stuff that you've got. It goes on the tip. There is a price for walking in the light. But that cost me good hard-earned money. Good, you shouldn't have bought it anyway. Get rid of it. We move forward. Now I'm going to quickly move on. We've got 15 minutes. But I want to show you the power of sin this morning. Why we need to walk into the light. Fellas, prick your ears up to this. But also, ladies, you prick your ears up to this. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the story of Job. Job chapter 31 is the, cha- is the chapter of if I. Just read that chapter and see how many times Job says, if I do this, this is the consequence. If I do this, this is what happens. If I ignore the poor, if I don't respond to my nation, if I don't pray, if I look at how many times he's taking responsibility for his own actions. Job 31 verse 1 says this. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a young woman. Why does he have to make that statement? Because he's prone to doing it. He's not walking around with blinkers. He's not walking around like that going, I better not look at Veronica. He's not talking about looking. Fellas, we know there is a look and there's a look. If you've got a pulse, say amen. But guess what, ladies? I've seen the Coke ad. I have seen Coke, Diet Coke. Get the man down there cleaning your windows and doing the stuff. You're just as bad. Women struggle just as much in this area as men. I will tell you now elements of little bits of research of things that's flicking through. They're as amazing what sticks in your brain at times. The fastest growing area of porn industry is women. It was always aimed at men. And it was always the picture of the man in the long brown coat with a flat cap and a brown parcel walking out of a shop looking pretty seedy. Is that how it used to be? All them shops with the windows painted out. All that stuff. That was the world. But now it's open because you have smartphones and laptops, and broadband, and different things. But the fastest growing area of that is women looking for stuff. But it's for another day. So he says here, I made a covenant with my eyes that says, I struggle in this area, so I'm going to take control of it. I'm going to take responsibility for undressing David with my eyes every time I see him. I don't want to be crude this morning. Your imagination is the fastest broadband that you will ever find. You can see, meet, greet, sleep with, have a family, be married, divorced, separated, and with somebody else in a fraction of a second. 
you've done everything. Or is, am I on fiber optic here in my house and you're still on dial-up? We can move so quick, can't we? But this is why Job makes a statement. And this is why it should be a warning to all of us. Same chapter, verses 9 and 10. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or if I have lurked at my neighbor's door, may my wife grind another man's grain. That's where it stops if you read the King James. But in the NIV, it explains the rest of it. It says this, and may other men sleep with her. May other men sleep with my wife when I lust for other women. When I devalue covenant and I devalue what I've got, God, just take the door off, take the door of protection. And if she runs way, uh, wayward, that's my fault. Why? But I make the choice that says, I will not look lustfully on a woman. Why? Because I love and I value what I have. Again, the same chapter. Power of sin. Verses 33 and 34. If I have concealed my sin, as people do, I advise you to read this scripture in something like Bible Hub, where you've got 20 translations side by side. Because this is what it says. I have concealed my sin as people do. Read the other translations as Adam did. So the very nature from the garden is what you and I will do. We will always look to conceal and hide. By hiding my guilt in my heart because I feared the crowd. Other translation. I hid my sin because I feared the people. And so dreaded the contempt of the clans. I dreaded what my family would think. That I kept silent and would not go outside. I'll stay in my prison for what reason? Because I'm afraid of how you will treat me. I'm afraid of the shame that it will bring to my family. So I will conceal it. I will hide it. It will be my secret. It will be the burden that I carry every day. That we get very religious at times, guys. We don't have hair shirts anymore. And we're not around whipping ourselves. But the things that we carry that are burdens around to us every day. That are a stone in our shoe that we should never ever have to have. We were bought and paid for in Jesus Christ. Why can't we turn the light on? For those three reasons, I'm afraid of people, I'm afraid of rejection of my family, and I'm like Adam. My nature is to conceal and to hide. But here's the power of breaking that sin. Proverbs 28 and verse 13. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces finds mercy. All it takes is you and I to say, Lord, you know, half the time my life's screwed up. I get things upside down. But my God, when I bring it to you, your mercy moves towards us. And Lord God, I can take a step in the right direction. But God, I'm refusing to allow the cupboard to hold me back. I'll give you a very quick illustration. Story, it goes like this. Young girl, she's been out and about. She's used and abused. She comes home to talk to her dad and she talks to her dad. She becomes embittered. She's, she's in that situation where everything's under her skin. People have hurt her. People have rebuked. And you know that whole thing of why do I bother? Why should I bother with people? They're all the same. All men are the same. All women are the same. There's all that. That story's never come in your house, has it? It's all that that fills inside. Never trust people. Never go outside. You can only rely on yourself. Look after number one. All of that propaganda that you get. And this girl is like that. Don't trust people. Dad had been let down like this. And she's becoming embittered on the inside. Dad's a simple fella. He goes into the kitchen and says, we'll call her Mary. Mary, just come in here. He gets three pans and he puts three pans out. In the first pan, he puts some carrots. In the second pan, he puts some eggs. In the third pan, he puts some coffee. He adds water to each of them, puts them all on the stove, all on the same light, lets them bubble along for 15 minutes. And she's going, Dad, what the heck are you doing here? Just showing you something, Mary. He gets the pan, first pan. Pan number one's got the carrots in. What was hard has become soft. Pan number two, the egg. What was soft on its inside has now become hard. On the third pan, 
the coffee changed its environment. Every one of us has a story. Every one of us knows how we can be used, abused, hurt and let down. But there will normally be one of three outcomes. Outcome one, we become hard to people and hard to life. It's just the way it is. Some people, it breaks them. Where you see, you know, it's like the, um, the story of the guy who's six foot two. It was, it's Johnny Cash sang about it, wasn't it? Six foot two, he stood on the ground, weighed 235 pounds. Tony again, can't get out my head. Saw that uh, giant of a man brought down by a thing called love. I loved that one. But you see, some people, a thing happens in their life that even though they seem so strong, it breaks them on the inside and they can never seem to find that healing and move forward. You and I have been given the ability to change our environments. Why? Because we've moved from one nature into a new nature. Moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Does that mean it's easy? No. Does that not mean it takes work? Yes, it does. Do I have to make choices? Yes, I do. Do I need the help of somebody else most of the time? Yes. But I don't have to stay hard. What does the scripture say about we have a heart of stone and it gets turned to a heart of flesh? The other side is that I'm broken. Yes, I can be broken, but I'm made whole in him again. Well, like that coffee that can change the environment. Experiences will always dictate how we're going to take things, good and bad. Experiences every day will create a new history. The thing is, we heard the word this morning. Are you willing to create and have the courage to start a new history? You know, we'll hear people and say, especially when they come through in the, in the lives of church, I was married, I was, it was younger, it didn't work out, blah, blah, blah. All of the stories that go down, I was used and I was abused, maybe I was abused by a parent or whatever. All of these people you find not just in church, in life as general. Is that right? Now, here's the thing. And I'm not thinking of doing it, I'm just using it as an illustration. But I'll go on to Hot or Not or Dating.com or whatever it is. And I go on there. Do you realize that somebody of 35 years of age is, <laughs> will have <laughs> the most responsive adult day, comes with history. You know that, don't you? I come with history and somebody of my age also comes with history. Now, when two people get together, your history and my history are a guaranteed mathematical equation not to work. Do you know that, don't you? Because I've got my kids in tow and you've got your kids in tow and you had so many friends and I had so many friends and I was in prison and you weren't in prison and all the stuff that goes down the line or we turn around and say, do you know what? I had a life, you had a life, but this is a new day. Transparency and accountability is that it says, Dave, you've lived like a dog, but today's a new day. We can move forward. I've kept my account short with God. I refuse to be held in the dark. I'm starting to push the prison door open and I chose to burn the cupboard. As I'm doing that, I'm walking into freedom. It's a new day. Do you know what? Even read the scripture from uh, Judges chapter 6 with the story of Gideon. When the Midianites had oppressed them, where were the people? In caves, in holes, in shelters. We will always withdraw. But when we start to live and walk in the light, your shoulders go back. We take courage, as we heard from Andy this morning and from Paul, to step out, not because you're some kind of big dog on the street, but there to say, I walk because of how he says I can. I can walk in the light. I don't have to be held any longer to fear. From clean to pure, accountability and transparency, buzzwords are a life. You choose. Church buzzwords are a life. You're the one who has to practice it. Hey, I'm not in your transparency group. I'm not with the one that says, Dave, did you hear about this? I've got people who bounce off me and I treat them the way they treat me. We have a saying that it's, it's very common. That's what goes on tour stays on tour. Kev always knows. We have a saying, Kev and I. We'll talk about lots of things. If I use this statement, Kev, I am talking to you. That means I'm talking to Kev, and that is not for public consumption. If we're talking, we're talking. But when I say what is yours, is yours. But let me just finish with one last scripture. Matthew 3, 
verse 11. I baptize you for repentance, speaking of John the Baptist. But after me comes another more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, speaking of the Christ. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There is a cleansing, there is a purging, there is a making whole. When I embrace him and I embrace the light, there are times when he takes me by the hand and says, Phil, we're having a bonfire. And there's areas of my life it says, this is going, let's get rid of that, let's get rid of some of this stuff that you've got. Let's deal with it once and for all. I'm not going to get all psychological on you this morning, but this is something that I found worked for me. There are issues, as we said, what is under the blood is under the blood. If I'm not using a story because it's going to help somebody else in a private conversation, or it's something that I don't have to make restitution of. At times there's some things that, do you remember when Pastor Tony spoke about how his mentor became his tormentor and he wrote a letter and he put the stuff out and then he was all happy and glorious and then he talked about the story of his dad? I have issues in my life like you have issues that have been healed, that are fine, that I'm not crying, and I'm not looking for a counselor's couch. Do you know what I mean? You've got it. But if you decide to revisit it where the place you once had closure, take the top off and start scratching a scab, yeah, it makes it just as alive today as it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. You can relive every moment. You know, they talk about the senses that you can walk in somewhere, smell something, and you're instantly taken back to a, a memory. You can hear a tune and you go, oh, 1983, that was the day I was in the disco and I had all the moves. You can remember. It's amazing. They say to you, what's your name, date of birth? I'm not too. What's your mobile number? Hang on a minute. You're trying to figure. But one thing can happen. You can have a memory and see it in HD from 20 years ago. Pulled all through. Yes. So here's a point. If you get some of those memories, write them down, burn it, shred it, do whatever you want to do, but turn around and say, that's been brought out. Lord, I brought this before you in the light. It's not, I'm not going to be held in fear of it anymore, but then it's gone. I've shredded it. I've burnt it. I've done something. Have your own bonfire. Get rid of it. Burn your cupboard once and for all. If there's nowhere to store it, what do you do? More room for him, less room for the junk. We were once in darkness, and now we've been brought into the light. Live in the light as I'm in the light. This morning has not been all gung-ho and sword rattling, but I hope that this has helped you this morning, just seeing some very basic building blocks of how the enemy would look to hold us captive but that when we see all of the time he's proclaiming a message of hope, a message of freedom. But it means a continual line of communication. The communication with him as we step into the light. Amen. Come on church, let's stand to our feet. <clears throat> just before we pray, let's again just give a, a note of warning a note of guidance and hopefully an element of wisdom that says, unless you specifically are led by the Spirit to do something, keep your gob shut. Do not go looking for a red under the bed. Do not be looking to say, where's my secret? Where's my, well, I wonder what my secret is. If you've not got one, thank God. If you've had one, transparent with him. But if it's under the blood, leave it under the blood. It's only if we ask ourselves the question, do I need to make restitution? As the spirit convicted me and told me I need to bring this into the open. Or am I sharing my story as I, I'm talking to you, Kev, so that I can help him. And it's not for general consumption. Because our biggest fear in church and in any place is the one commodity that we have. It's all great when we like each other. But when there is an issue or something that comes to separate Jill from I, 
and somebody says something, that's when I go, well, you know, she, was, uh, she wasn't always the best mother. What do you mean she wasn't the best mother? Well, I can't really tell you. <laughs> tell me you don't do it. Tell me you haven't done it. Be in the light as I am the light. Give him no ground. Keep a short account. And if that is you this morning who's felt like your bones have wasted away, maybe there's some business that needs to be done. Start with him. So come on, church, let's just close our eyes. Just raise our hands. Father, we thank you for the power of freedom. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that bought us and made us whole. Lord God, Father, I thank you that you allow us to walk in the light. Lord God, Father, be in the light as I am in the light. Father God, in you there is no darkness at all or shadow of turning. But Father, I pray for that word that this morning we will take the courage to make fresh histories. We will take the courage to make a new day, to take a new stand, to push through in you. But my God, I pray that of all of our lives, my God, one thing that will be so key is that we will be a people who bear the fruit of repentance. We will have lives that demonstrate where we have met you. And Lord God, Father, we will not be looking at the plank in someone else's eye. But Lord God, this morning, we thank you for forgiving. We thank you for cleansing. We pray, my God, new histories, new breakthroughs, new days. May our days of heaven be like heaven on earth. My God, I pray that that which you have declared, we lay hold of in Jesus Christ. We push through and the people of God said, Amen. Amen.